Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And yes, we welcome you to episode six of the Kennedy Mile Report, sponsored by our friends at Rocket Matter. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. And there's just the two of us in the studio today. Tom, why don't you tell them what we're going to be talking about today? In today's episode, we are going to talk about search. And uh, we're going to lead it off specifically talking about the new Wolfram Alpha search tool, which hopefully will lead us into a conversation on the the future of search on the internet and how it might apply to lawyers. Uh, We'll then turn to a new segment that we're basically calling Stuff We've Been Talking About. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. If you're listening to us live today, you can join us in the chat room. That chat room is located at legaltalknetwork.com slash live dash show dash feed. And if we can pay enough attention, we will chat back and answer your questions. Now for our topic today. Last week, uh, a new search tool was debuted to much fanfare. It's called Wolfram Alpha. Dennis, can you give us a little bit, tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I, I, just to step back a second, we, we got interested in this topic earlier this week as we were talking about some searches that we were doing. Actually, it goes back to the last episode where um, I wanted to f- there was a great blog post on learning about legal technology I wanted to find so we could talk about it in the last episode, and I couldn't find it. The two of us couldn't find it on Google at all. And it kind of, to me, showed some of the, the actual difficulties you can have using Google as your primary search engine. Well, and, and yesterday and then earlier in, in the recent period, Wolfram Alpha and the Microsoft Bing search tools came out, which sort of raises the question is, is, uh, is there a Google killer out there? Is the idea of a Google killer even meaningful or what's happening in search? And the Wolfram Alpha comes from Steve uh, Wolfram, who's known for the, the, uh, the program Mathematica, uh, people who are familiar with computing, will know him as, as one of the real geniuses out there in, in the world of software. And he describes this not so much as a search engine, it's, but it's something he calls a, a computational knowledge engine. And so the, the idea is, as opposed to, to searching for pages and getting uh, putting in your inquiry and getting a list of pages that you can link to, the idea is you're actually getting answers back to your questions. So it's an online service. It answers factual questions, plain language questions, and it computes the answer from the structured data that it has. So you don't get a list of documents. You actually get an answer. Tom, we've both been experimenting with this. Can you kind of tell people what, what you've found experimenting with the Wolfram uh, computational knowledge engine? Well, you know, it, it really is different from Google. I, I wouldn't call it a Google killer. I would say that they're in different families. I think actually this may very well be Google acquisition material because it, it offers something that Google doesn't give. And, and that is what we're looking at as we come into, and, and I know we're going to talk about this in, more in a little bit, but as we move from Web 1 to Web 2 to Web 3, uh, we're looking at ways that search can provide us with answers in a 
a better way. Now, when you go to Google, you do a search, you come up with a lot of uh, uh, random links and lists of things that really don't make a lot of sense unless you go and dive into them. And, and what a site like Wolfram Alpha is trying to do is trying to present that information in a way that's easy to understand and it's all together in one place and, and organizes it in a way that is easy for you to, to make use of. Now, the way that I've tried it out is I tried it out from a lawyer standpoint. You know, I wanted to see, um, uh, you know, what was the, the wind speed in Wichita, Kansas on February the 22nd, 2007 at one o'clock in the afternoon. And sure enough, it told me 17 miles an hour. It gave me some other statistics on what was going on that day in Wichita. And I think that's a fantastic tool. It showed me some graphs and some charts. I can enter uh, stock information and it will come back and show me comparisons between two stocks. I can do calculations if I were mathematically inclined and it will show me graphs and charts on those. Um, I can talk about, ask for general weather information for any city in the world. It's really great in, in displaying that knowledge, computing it and displaying that knowledge. Where I have problem with it, and I, I'm going to turn it back over to you in just a second. But what I have a problem with it is in terms of use for a lawyer and, and how they would actually use it. Because if you'll notice from the result, it doesn't provide any sources. It doesn't provide where do where am I finding the information about where the, the, the wind is 17 miles an hour in Wichita, Kansas. So if I'm trying to look for that information in, uh, in preparation for a trial, I've got to get it authenticated. I've got to get that admitted. And it doesn't provide the sources. It doesn't show here's where we found this information information so that we can get to it. So I think it's great for certain searches. I'm not sure it's ready for prime time for lawyers yet. Well, and I think you you touch on something interesting that I've always thought uh, that I've said, and I know other people have said this, is that we're really great at searching, but what really we're trying to do is to find, and what we love to have is a finding tool, you know, that finds the information that we want. And I think that Wolfram Alpha is is one step toward this, and and it also shows some of the strengths and weaknesses of the different ways that we search. And so, when we were talking the other night, I we were looking at. Uh, Law Practice Magazine, and and I put that into Wolfram Alpha just to to see what came up, and it did, what came up was not what I expected, but it gave me the the number of subscribers and a nice chart and and some other details about the magazine that I didn't know, and I don't know that I could have found any other place easily, as, especially using a, a search engine. I looked up the braking distance at 60 miles an hour, and, and it was great. It a little chart. It had all these coefficients of friction and the actual uh, uh, distance. So it, it's great for a certain set of things, but if you type in your own name or legal technology or something like that, it, it really doesn't work, and there's some things that will just tell you it doesn't have the information that it needs. And it's based on on data that they have, some of it's on the internet, some of it's proprietary in a sense, are available, let's say, to the Wolfram people. And it's something that they call curated structured data. I don't know, Tom, if you want to take that that notion on, but that sort of helps people, may help people understand what's going on with Wolfram. Well, and I think that that goes back to something that I said a little bit earlier, is that the real big deal in search right now is just not providing a simple list of results, but in providing the information that you really need that's presented in kind of an organized way that's also understandable. And so that's what they mean by structured. Curated, I assume, means that there is some um, level of oversight that's being seen by the people who are putting this together. I, I don't know what that level is, but uh, I assume that lots of the services have this type of 
curated structured data, there are a large number of what I would call semantic search engines. Uh, this is similar to a semantic search engine because semantic. what a search is doing is, is it's, it's using the query that you enter into the system and it's trying to um, find the most probable meaning because sometimes the terms you use will be ambiguous. They could mean a lot of different things. And so it uses disambiguation in order to, you know, try and um, and, and narrow down and, and, and present that information in a very um, nicely summarized way so that you get a picture and a snapshot of what you need. There are a bunch of semantic search tools out there right now. A couple of them that I have played around with include Hakeem which is one of the, the um, older ones, SenseBot is really cool. It, it provides a summarization of multiple pages that it finds on the internet, summarizes them all in a real nice, uh, nice way. There's a technology called PowerSet, not really a search engine, but more of a technology that Microsoft has purchased. And they're going to be rolling it out in their Bing search tool that is going live on, I guess, next Wednesday. It goes live on June the 3rd, if you're listening to this after June the 3rd. Um, there are other sites called called Deep Dive and Cognition. There are a number of semantic sites that are trying to uh, to provide this information in a new and different way. And, and I can't say that they all do find information the way you want to. I think you need to get in and search and, and experiment and find the sites that, that you need. Frankly, you know, as I was telling you the other day, Dennis, I use Google for what I need and Google gets me what I need and I'm not incredibly unhappy with that. And 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 some lawyers and, and others might be easy easily uh, satisfied with something like Google. But if you're really looking to get to information that's more a, a lot more, you know, substantive, then then one of these sites is gonna be is going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah, I mean, and and you touch on a couple of things there that I think are are interesting. I, I, to go back to the notion of curated data, I would just to the people out there, I'd say think of think of the West Keynote system as an example of people taking a look at data that's out there and and doing some organization sifting, culling that that data. That's one example. And then I think you also touched on what people are calling the Web 3.0. Or I think Robert Scoble in a blog post this morning was great calling this Web 2010 and going with years Web. <laughs> rather, rather than these these numbers, but the idea in the, in the Web 3.0 or, or sort of new web is that the the processing, the computer, the cloud, the programming is actually doing the heavy lifting for us, and so it's able to go out and get information based on say metadata, other other tagging information and pull back something that's closer to the answer that we want rather than just the pure list of things. So we're taking the sort of the power of of the internet and computing that we have now and moving say from web 2.0 which to me is where the the internet first became an application platform to uh, the internet really becoming a back-end tool and producing automatically results for us with less input from us as humans, uh, which I, I think is kind of interesting. And, and, you know, speaking of that, one of the best examples of what I would call a Web 3.0 technology is similar to what these search engines are doing, trying to package it all in a in a in a easily easily understood chunk of information. Uh, what we're finding and what we're going to talk about in a little bit on our stuff we've been talking about segment is the idea of the activity feed and the activity stream of everything that you happen to be doing during the day. Here's a website that I saw. Um, here's a blog post or a Twitter tweet that I posted. Here's um, something that I did uh, at this website. Here's a movie that I rented. And being able to aggregate that in in all these places is really 
something that the that is in common they have in common but what's also interesting is that this technology really is in its infancy this ought to be able to take my information and tell me you know how am i feeling today or suggest you know if i talk about my status on facebook that i'm having a bad day i should be able to have something come back to me and tell me what i need to do about that suggest a a, a wellness site or something like that but instead what i get are marketing and maybe you should take a vacation maybe that's the right answer maybe that's what they're trying to 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 do but i think that that it's we're still in our infancy here in terms of the technology and and i'll be interested to see what web 3.0 really turns out to be if such a thing really exists well, and I think that you also look at where we're at. I mean, I I liken Google these days um, to to Lexus. I mean, it's it's kind of you know it's it's a word search tool uh, plus I, obviously a lot more than the early days of Lexus, and so it has the same benefits, the same frustrations. I mean, if you get the right words um, and they're in the right rankings and that sort of thing, you come up with what you want. And then you also I, then you saw the movement, at least in legal, to Westlaw with the key number system and taking advantage of that type of what I'll call metadata. And then you had that era, what I always think of the electronic discovery search tools, things like using artificial intelligence like Dolphin Search, pattern concept searching like Recomine, and the visual search of Atenix. And it's interesting to see some of that also start to filter into the into the sort of wild world of, of internet search. And and so I'm, I'm intrigued by seeing what's going to happen there and then how some of this, the Web 3.0 with the stuff happening in the background and underneath actually will have ramifications in something like electronic discovery where there's a lot of search. Well, and you know, that's that comes back to the topic that I mentioned in our very first episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is just the idea of so much stuff to search. And that's why a lot of these electronic discovery tools that you mentioned, um, Recommind, 10x, those types of tools, they're using concept search in a way that allows you to, to sift your way through just petabytes of information in an, in an easy and, and, and much more intuitive way than you could if you were using just a simple Google search tool. It's, it's just a lot easier. And, and really, I think that the e-discovery tools are uh, at least standing alongside some of these semantic search engines being on the frontier of the new search information. So lead us out of this session, Dennis. Tell us the last word. Yeah. So, I, so the question, if the question is, will Wolfram Alpha or Microsoft's new Bing or Twitter search or any other newer search engines replace Google, especially for lawyers? I don't, I don't think so as a general search engine, but I think it will open people's eyes to the alternative and specialty search tools that are out there. I'm, I, I think that people will be surprised by the number of search tools that we referred to just in this, in this session. Um, as I said, to me, the name of the game is becoming not search, it's finding. And I think that whether you're a lawyer or anyone else connected with a data-intensive profession as we are, that you always want to be on the lookout for better ways to find what you need, especially on the internet. And there you have it. Uh, Before we move on to our next segment, let's uh, take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor and friends at Rocket Matter. By now, you may have heard of Rocket Matter the blazingly fast online legal productivity application that is saving time and increasing profits at law firms across the world. Easily track time, tasks, clients, and matters. Take phone messages, manage your calendars, even print all your invoices with the click of a mouse and without installing anything. Stop by rocketmatter.com today and take a look. Rocket Matter, work smarter, 
Bill Moore, save time. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And it's time for a new segment we're going to try, uh, the one that we're tentatively calling Stuff That Dennis and Tom Have Actually Been Talking About in the Last Week or So. And I guess what we want to, want to talk a, a little bit about is uh, friend feed. And the question really is, Tom, what in the heck are we going to do with, with friend feed? How are we going to use that? Is that something we need to use? You know, friend feed to me represents the ultimate tidal wave of information. I um I got onto friend feed a couple of uh, months ago as, as an idea of of uh, of being able to let other people know what I was doing. What friend feed does is is that it aggregates and all of your social information. So uh, whatever I'm doing on Facebook or LinkedIn or on Twitter, it aggregates it all into a, a one live stream feed, or I guess live stream is probably the old word. I think activity stream is probably the new word, um, the new term for it. And it's it's a stream of everything that I happen to be doing on the internet. And there are probably 15 or 20 different services, maybe more, that you can link to your friend feed account. But the idea is not that you, f- you leave your own up there. You're also subscribing to the feeds of your friends so you can discuss the interesting things that your friends find on the internet. Have you had a chance to use FriendFeed yet, Dennis? You know, I set it up and uh, connected up my various feeds, uh, you know, my Twitter feeds and Facebook and whatever else I put in there. And I was trying to figure out how to use it, talking to people about using it, because it, it does seem like that of, you know, hate to add one more thing to all this, but the idea of friend feed is really, that's really seductive is that it, it's a way to aggregate all of the things you're doing in one place and give you a central place to go. Um, so it's intriguing to me, but I, I started started in it and then fiddled around with it and and kind of left it. I don't really go to it, but I know it's kind of aggregating stuff that I'm doing. But in the last week or so, and what prompted our discussion was that that all of a sudden I had 10 or 12 people start following or subscribing to my friend feed. And, and it just made me curious as to how people were finding that, what they were getting out of that. And then also that growing notion we have as you as you get into the social media is how much of of you are people seeing as as they as they see that aggregated content of all your activities on the internet. Well, you know, I think that that's an interesting thing that you should mention because the the services that it gives you, the ability to... let me get to that that on the screen. I want to see it. The services that you can link to include Delicious, Dig, the Google Reader, YouTube, Facebook. Um, I'm linked into to I've connected my Goodreads account. So whenever I'm reading a new book, people know what I'm reading. Uh, whenever I rent a new movie, people can see what I'm reading. And when I first or what I'm watching, when I first noticed this, when I first noticed it, whenever I put a new movie in my in my Netflix queue, it sort of disturbed me a little bit. I guess I guess I can take that out. 
out. I can choose what people will see about me, but you can probably be even more um, uh, revealing about your nature and and show all sorts of things about yourself. You know, one of the things, and I was talking with you about this earlier, Dennis, was something that Facebook did, is that if you, if you, if you let the feed go to its furthest extreme, then they start learning things that you, that you may, might not like, which is, uh, my example was on Facebook. Facebook had a, had a, a tool a couple of years ago that they withdrew pretty quickly, although they're, they're using it still to a certain extent, where, for example, if I went to Fandango and bought tickets online, then within about five seconds after I bought tickets, my Facebook page would be updated with, Tom Mild just bought tickets to Paul Blart Mall Cop. Uh, don't you want to go see that too? And I don't want anybody to know that I'm going to go see Paul Blart Mall Cop, uh, at least not until after I've seen it, maybe. But uh, anyway, that, that sort of... Uh, it, realize that there's there's there are improper ways to there are good ways and bad ways to connect with these tools and i think that once you find the balance i really think it's an interesting way to consume information that your friends are following and and allow them to consume information that you're following there was my long-winded response well but i think that and i would say the message to me is that my everything i read and my sense for it is that this is probably something that i am going to get involved in and i'm going to learn how to to do better. So um, I hate to add one more thing to to my online presence, but this is one that I think is going to have some legs. Don't you well, my, my only issue with that, and I'll look, they, they've, they've redone FriendFeed recently, and I've, I've just navigated right now to my FriendFeed homepage. And it, if I follow enough people, right now I'm not following a lot of people, but if I follow enough, then it literally becomes not just a river, but it's I, I'm watching new things appear literally every four or five seconds. They're mostly Twitter tweets, but some of them are Facebook. Some of them are links that people are posting. And I see this as being incredibly overwhelming. So like like most of the tools I talk about, I, I just recommend caution and, and dip your toes in and see what makes sense for you. One thing that I think is really kind of nifty about FriendFeed is the ability to create a group or a room where people can um, can put information or join and, and put uh, put put. We we originally talked about using it for our show notes. It didn't ultimately work out, but it does have an interesting uh, interesting vibe to it. So I'm going to be trying it too and 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 paying more attention to it. But I can see where it can get very overwhelming. Well, and you also point out uh, in your comments, I'm just thinking of how I see these things as another publishing channel for me. And and I'm not like a big consumer, so I don't typically, I mean, I just don't follow a, a lot of people. I'm very selective about that. So I see it as, oh, here's another publishing channel. But you're right, it, this stuff uh, can get really overwhelming really quickly. How about some parting shots? Absolutely. It's time for our parting shots now. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second that this podcast ends. Dennis, you're up first. You know, I, I saw this uh, Twitter post earlier this week of somebody who had left a flash drive somewhere, which is a pretty common occurrence, and that it was returned to them because they had created a little text file on on their USB drive that they called owner.txt that somebody who found the flash drive and tried to read it would see that file and 
obviously take a look at it and then find the contact information. And so I think that's a great idea. But there's there's some other things you can do. There's another thing you can do that I think is is in some ways even better that I've experimented with. We'll give some links because there are some details to to how you do this. But you can create um, a little file on each of your your flash drives, and it's going to be called Auto Run A U T O R U N dot INF. And it's just going to be a text file and you use some brackets that, you know, one set of brackets contains auto run and then you use another set of brackets that says label equals. And then that label, you can say, uh, and, and I'm, this is how I, I name my flash drives, Dennis Kennedy, and I have my cell phone number and that's that's the label for the drive. And, and you can also actually create associate the icon you want with your flash drive. So there's a lot of options you can do. But this way, I know which drive is in my computer, especially something that will, you know, where you have multiple USB slots. Um, but it's, it again, when somebody, fi- if you lose it, somebody finds it, they're going ide- to have the identification of whose drive it is and a way to contact you. And so the odds of it getting back to you are greatly increased. So I think that's something that's definitely worth doing for, for everyone. Excellent tip. I'll get mine out of the way pretty quickly. In the past two weeks, a couple, maybe three weeks, there have been some new tools that allow you to make very easy to create and share and view presentations on the internet. Uh, the first one this week actually was came came from Acrobat. Our friends at Acrobat have um, developed a new in their lab a new presentation tool that allows you to go online, create a presentation collaborate on it with other people and uh, and show it online if you if you want to show it um, that's at www.acrobat.com it's actually part of their labs but you can get to it through acrobat.com but when you're done creating it you can go over and use presentation Dot io to uh, actually it's called present.io they're from our friends at drop.io one of my favorite sites for uh, for file sharing and file storage and you can upload a presentation there it will give you a uh, a conference calling line so that you can create and host a free meeting on the internet uh, for as many people as want to join in so two great uh, presentation tools that you should take advantage of if you're showing presentations to people in meetings or seminars on the the internet. So I think that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on the show notes wiki, which is located at www.tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.